It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Here's Donald. Carrying it out. Deep ball. Separation. Clock. Robbie Anderson, goodbye, touchdown, Jets. The whole NFL is watching. A fourth and ten, and here they come. Mayfield's pass, it's intercepted by Mosley. Bell breaks a tackle. Bell trying to go all the way. Le'Veon Bell, touchdown. Big return for Crowder, and he's going to go all the way. Touchdown, 85 yards. Looking downfield, fires this one and intercepted at the 34. Jamal Adams goes down on the ground and takes it away. He'll hit immediately when he got the handoff. You know that's the Q-inator. Oh my gosh. Listen, thank you. From the Vivid Seats Studios, use the promo code OVERTIME and get yourself up to 100 bucks off your first ticket purchase when you download the Vivid Seats mobile app. This is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason, and it is time for X and O Quick Hits with Mr. Joe Blewett, who is the host of TOJ Film Room over on our YouTube channel, Turn on the Jets TV. Joe, we were supposed to have this show ready Friday in the normal spot, but of course, all this crazy news broke, including the news about Sam Darnold. And so we had to push this back a day because of the breaking news. Joe, let's talk about Mr. Darnold as we start off with TOJ Film Room. First of all, tell me how you're doing, because I always like to hear how everything's going in Joe Blewett land. And second of all, talk to me a little bit about what you saw from Sam Darnold. Obviously, now we can see it in a different context because of the fact that we now have an understanding of why his throws look so weak, why he wasn't moving around as well, why at times he looked confused and flustered. I think the fact that he had mono, which is something where you can barely move and get out of bed let alone go and play in a professional football game, would explain a lot of that happening for Sam Darnold on Sunday. But talk to me about what you did see, the good and the bad, regardless of the mono. It's funny because I don't think you, the last like two or three times I've, uh, I've been on, you've asked me how I'm doing, and the one time you know I'm doing awful, you ask. <laughs> uh, <laughs> this uh, Sunday was absolutely brutal um, for me being there. Um, you know, you know, in my past, I've, I've kind of questioned fans and been angry at other Jets fans. And that environment on, on Sunday was absolutely unexcusable. Um, I was more mad about that coming out of the game than I was, you know, about the actual game, which is kind of hard to say, but the upper section of that stadium was absolutely embarrassing. Uh, I was in 315, me and my buddy were the only people standing on multiple third downs. And people will say, oh, well, it's loud. You know, it sounded loud in there. Yeah, it's louder when the Jets score a touchdown. Every stadium is. But, you know, when the, when the Bills are driving down the Jets' throat, people are sitting there talking and, and sipping their beer and not even clapping, not even doing anything around us. So um, the environment was bad. The game was terrible. And now we're getting, you know, hammered with injuries at this point. Uh, obviously, Williamson's out, you know, for, for the season. You have Quincy Nunwa, who's your, probably your number two, three threat um, in terms of the receiving core, is, is now out. You know, uh, Quentin Williams is walking away with the boot. You have Mosley who's questionable to play. You know, there's there's just so many things happening right now. 
Um, and the fact that Darnold's going to be out at, you know, at least two weeks with mono, um, where the Jets will most likely lose the next two games. It, it makes that first game, you know, even that more, um, of a, of a sting. So it's, uh, it's, it's brutal right now. It, it really is. The season is starting off in the worst possible way at this point. Darnold. With the mono, without the mono, what did you see from him in this game? I thought that it was not his best performance. We can now put that in perspective. But my thought was it was a combination of the offensive line not doing their job, Adam Gase putting together a fairly vanilla game plan, although now we may have an explanation as to why he did that, and Darnold not playing well. Is that what you saw when you watched the film? Yeah, it's funny too because you have these Jets fans who Donald, who you know, I don't know the exact stats were one touchdown, zero interceptions, didn't really have any balls that sh- that that could have been intercepted, minus the one that was batted down that was close to being intercepted. Um, and he threw you know 170, 180 yards against a defense. I believe like eleven out of their last twelve games, they've held quarterbacks to under two hundred yards every single game. Even Tom Brady took one hundred and thirty. So. You're looking at one of the best defenses in the NFL, if not the best defense in the NFL right now at this point. I, I could I would bet a lot of money they're going to be top five in the NFL. Um, you know, with a young quarterback who's in his 14th start in a new offense with with some new weapons, with an offensive line that clearly hasn't gelled, um, and with playmakers not necessarily making plays. Now there were some plays over the middle. Um, there was one play he could have hit. A noon one on a deep over that he, he checked the ball down. There's another play. Um, obviously, the, the few plays to, to Robbie Anderson deep, the one he missed, you know, drastically where he had a clean pocket and he was fading backwards for absolutely no reason. Where if he stepped into the throw, um, you know, it would have most likely been a touchdown. He, you know, the, even throw a bell on the side, uh, one, one touchdown, uh, where they ran, I believe it was a, it was a, it was a switch wolf concept, which regardless, um, you had Le'Veon Bell open on the, on the sideline on the breaking outwards. The ball was a little bit low because he had bad mechanics. He missed, you know, uh, Anderson again on a, on a, on a, I believe it was a, uh, comeback because of some some poor footwork where the ball was low, where Anderson still should have caught it, but he didn't. Uh, he missed a, a read over the middle where he checked it down again to Le'Veon Bell, uh, where he had a receiver running open over the middle, where it was kind of a similar situation to what we saw um, with the Falcons game, where he could have pump faked you know underneath and then and then hit a receiver open over the middle um, over those intermediate zones. So he was definitely missing reads. He was missing throws. Um, but let's not act like a you know a, a quarterback who's 22 years old in his 14th start against one of the best defenses in the NFL with with guys not performing around him, you know, should be traded or now he's a bust or let's let's tank for Tua. It's absolutely ridiculous. Um, you know, can you imagine if this guy if he threw three, four, five picks like he did in some games last year? Um, so it wasn't a good game from Donald. Uh, he certainly didn't help himself, but the team around him certainly didn't help him. At, you know, as well um, as did the you know the coaching, which uh, I'm sure we'll get into. But this wasn't absolutely terrible for Donald. It, was, it wasn't a good start, but um, he wasn't put in the, in the best situation for sure. And um, I don't know, like I said, if it's proven that he was playing with mono, maybe uh, I'm not sure how, how far it kicks in, you know, that they figured out he's, he has it on Wednesday, Thursday, or I guess he's showing strong symptoms on what Tuesday, Wednesday, was he feeling some side effects from it or the beginning stages of mono on Sunday um, that there's potentially, you know, that, and obviously it affects you. Um, a lot. So it's, it, it wasn't good. It wasn't terrible though. It is Ryan here. And I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? 
Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. With your host, Scott Mason. Let's talk about the offensive line. They got a lot of grief after this game. I would say rightfully so. Brian Winters especially had a really poor game. I have reason to suspect that Brian Winters is still hurt and playing hurt, and that might be part of the reason why. And We're going to talk to Dr. Stoller about this more later in the weekend, but I think that's playing into why Winters was very poor in this game. Tell me about what you saw from the offensive line here. To me, it looked like Khalil was still kind of out of sorts. I'd say a big part of that is probably not having the experience of playing with these other guys. Winters and Assembly, obviously, bouncing back from the injuries. And as I said, I think Winters may still be hurt. But overall, just a poor performance. Yeah, I don't think I don't think KO looked too bad, to be completely honest. Um, I, I think the main struggles of the offensive line were, were really from center over to the to the right tackle. Shell struggled, as, as he usually does, especially in the run game. Um, he, he just, his, his technique is just absolutely awful. Um, not even with his hands or his feet sometimes, but just literally knowing what angles to take to, to, you know, defensive ends, outside linebackers, wherever it may be when there's an interior run. So, uh, he struggled winters again, like what we talked about with the offensive line in, in the off season, there's one play where, you know, he'll, he'll get his hands onto an offense or, you know, into a defensive lineman, that defensive lineman will get shook backwards while they're leaning into the winters and he'll, and he'll trap a guy down into the, into the turf. But then there's another, you know, rep where we saw versus Oliver, where he shoots both hands, locking his hips while he's leaning. And when that happens, you know, Oliver, I forget if he's able to sidestep him, club him, whatever it is, but he, Right from right from the jump, he, he's leaning in with a bad base. Um, so he's already off balance. So Oliver didn't have to do much to to beat him. So you know that play was you know it was good by Oliver, but it was more bad by Winters with taking you know t- uh, taking terrible technique. Uh, Khalil just looked rusty. Um, from what I watched from him on film, that did not look like the same guy. And that you know obviously him coming in you know about a month ago might have some things to do with that. But some of his angles, you know, on on uh, when he was blocking back on some uh, pin and pulls, power type plays. Um, there's one play specifically where I remember uh, there's a three tech, and he tried to assist you know Cl- Clutchio Assembly with. Or was it, no, sorry, it was, it was actually, it was actually Beecham because Clutchio, someone was pulling. He was trying to assist Beecham with a three tech, but he overcommitted to that three tech. And then the, the five tech stripped over top and, and Khalil wasn't able to, um, you know, get in front of him because he committed to, to, uh, too much to that, to that three tech and assisting the left tackle. And that, that, uh, that five tech who stripped over top event, you know, eventually caught up to Bell where if he wasn't able to catch up to Bell or, or if, you know, 
you know, Khalil was able to get in his way, uh, would have been a much bigger gain for Le'Veon Bell. So the right side of that offensive line really, really struggled. There were some plays that Beecham struggled as well. Um, they did not look in sync. They, they're, they were not picking up blitz as well. The communication was off and, and they admitted to, to being off in, in those protection calls. So, um, when you have a, offensive line that I think overall uh, is, is average in terms of talent, but then you kind of put on top of that the fact that they haven't been playing together a lot and their production calls were off. Um, it just was not a good result versus a defense that is very sound um, and it's honestly very tricky. Uh, a lot of stunts, lots of gap exchanges, um, lots of different looks from that defensive front. It was just not a a good combination. Then you, we talked about Donald, you, you, you put that on top of the fact that the offensive line is not playing well. Um, their defense does not get beat deep. They're going to, they're going to make you nickel and dime you, or they're going to nickel and dime you. They're, they know they're going to get pressure on Donald and they know what the hot reads were going to be for Donald. And, and they would quickly, um, you know, allow a three or four yard, you know, reception to a guy like Crowder or Bell, whoever it may be, because the Bills knew it was coming, but they'd quickly rally and make a tackle so uh the, the bills really out coached the jets um in terms of their defense versus the jets offense and then you know the, the talent of the jets offensive line and like i said not playing together it really showed in this game let's talk about what you just mentioned which is the dinking and dunking because the jets were going to have to do that a lot against the bills since the bills strength is not getting beat deep and Crowder was the main weapon here. He had some really nice plays. I thought he was really good. Robbie Anderson got open a few times. Darnold wasn't able to connect with him with an underthrow on one particular pass. There was another where it looked like Anderson should have held on to it for what probably would have been a touchdown. Talk to me a little bit about what you saw in general from the receiving core. Um yeah, so it started with Robbie Anderson. There was a couple plays, the the one deep shot in the end zone where the corner was able to get his hand in. Um, this is where we talk about you know Robbie Anderson needing to develop um, into something more than a deep threat, which I think he is in terms of his route running. Uh, but he has to really learn how to, how to attack the ball. You look at a lot of his deep touchdowns, it's the ball falling into his arms or, or him kind of like bucket catching it, where if that one play where Donald took a deep shot where I, I think it was – um, a seven or eight man protection and you had Robbie Anderson running a deep uh, um, flagger corner out into the end zone. He gets in front of the corner. Donald puts it in a, in a good location. It could have been better uh, if he let him two or three more yards. Maybe it would have been um, into his fingertips, which you know people act like throwing a 55-yard ball on a rope to somebody's hands is easy. Donald put it in a good enough location. But Rob Anderson does what he frequently, uh, what we see him frequently do, which is just let the ball, you know, kind of fall into his arms and cradle it, where, where he was beating the corner. Where if he turned turned around and attacked the ball in the air, the corner wouldn't have been able, been able to play it because he was in catch up mode. And even if he even if he wasn't able to to catch the ball, the corner, like I said, because he's he's running full sprint, um, would have most likely uh, hit Rob Anderson and caused caused a pass interference there. So there was a play or two he could have played it better. He also had a drop ball. I'm on the one low throw to Donald. Everybody talked about it late in the game, the fourth in the fourth quarter, where you know Anderson had that double move. He he burned the one corner and then uh, didn't continue running on the uh, on the double move. You know vertically where Donald put the ball a, a yard or two too far, but it was because Anderson slowed up around the 35 yard line. Uh, I don't think it was Anderson just not uh, giving effort. It looked like there was almost a little bit of a miscommunication where there was a safety over top and. Uh, well, not over top necessarily, but he was working from the middle of the field, but still over top leverage of uh, of Robbie Anderson. So 
I think Rob Anderson thought that Donald might throw it in between those two zones where Donald wanted him to keep running. So it looked like it had almost been more of a, mi- a miscommunication there. So they were off a little bit on that. Um, there was another play deep down the sideline where uh, Donald obviously missed Anderson. Uh, not necessarily missed him, but Anderson had to you know, slow up a good you know, 10, 15 yards because Donald, like I said, was fading backwards and threw the ball. Um, where there was maybe pass interference, it was almost it, it was really close at the time. Uh, another throw where where Robbie Anderson tried to bucket catch it, um, where he should have just attacked the ball. So Anderson was okay. Anunua didn't get open, you know, at all. Uh, obviously, he was playing with. I'm not sure exactly when he got that neck injury, but he's playing with a neck injury, so that explains a little bit. Um, other than that, you know, Crowder was was great. Uh, you know, regardless of the stat line, was at 14 catches, 99 yards. He was he did what he was asked to do multiple times, where he was on jerk routes underneath and would read the leverage of the um, you know defensive back linebacker who was in coverage on him. Um, he would attack that leverage, or um, you know expect uh, smartly expect what that guy in coverage was going to do, and then break the opposite way. Uh, multiple times he caught a ball and, and fell forward or, or got yak. So Crowder looked fantastic, to be completely honest. He, he uh, helped my fantasy team a lot. Um, so I, I appreciate that. But uh, other than other than Crowder, the other guys were, were much more lackluster than uh, we typically expect, even though there was some you know uh, reasons for that kind of. Joe, I'm glad that Jamison Crowder had a big impact for your fantasy team this week. He did for me as well in my FanDuel Fantasy League. Racked up some really nice numbers for me. I expect him to do it again this week with Trevor Simeon at the helm. He likes to throw short passes. He's going to be looking for security blankets. And nobody is a bigger security blanket for a Jets quarterback right now than Jamison Crowder. So I highly recommend trying to draft him in your FanDuel Fantasy League this week. I know I'm going to be looking to do that again like I did last week. And if you haven't signed up for FanDuel yet, now is a perfect time to do it. Because if you're a first-time customer, you get 20 bucks in site credit if you deposit 20 bucks or more. The beauty of FanDuel is that it's week to week, so if a player gets hurt like Sam Darnold, it doesn't burn you because you only have him for that week, and then you move on and get different players for your roster the following week. You get a chance to win millions of dollars in cash and other prizes, so it's really a no-brainer. Sign up for FanDuel right now and get 20 bucks in total bonus. Just make your first deposit of $20 or more, and you'll get an extra 5 bucks in site credit every week for four weeks. Go to FanDuel.com slash DFS Fantasy or download the FanDuel app today. So we talked about the Jets wide receivers, but Joe, let's talk about Le'Veon Bell. If you looked at the stats and didn't watch the game, you would say, eh, he had a touchdown, but his yards per carry weren't that great. He didn't go over 100 yards or anything like that. He didn't do anything special. But if you watch the game, this was one hell of a performance. This was a clinic in how to take the football and do something with it when there's, by all means, nowhere to go. So many times, Le'Veon Bell was basically sent to run into a brick wall, and instead of getting zero gain, he would push it for three, four, five yards. I thought this was an incredibly impressive performance by Le'Veon Bell. It reinforced to me why he's an elite player. He was able to have a productive day with basically no help whatsoever. Is that what you saw when you watched the film? Yeah, it's almost kind of depressing now too because, like, uh, I know the season's not over, and and there is a shot that the Jets can come out and win this game against the Browns, who just got blown out at home versus you know the Titans and Marcus Mariota. So there's a shot, but if they lose this game and go to zero and three, then you're playing the Cowboys and the Eagles. Do they sit on a bye week at zero and or you know zero and three? Um, are you wasting a year of 
you know, uh, productivity from, from Le'Veon Bell. Um, then you might, you know, you have another year, maybe two of him where he's getting a little bit older, more carries. So it's so depressing because, uh, Scott, what, what we saw and what we talked about for many, many podcasts about him in 2017 and what we expected of him showed up on the field. And I know he averaged, you know, only what do you got, like 70, 80 yards, whatever it may be. And, uh, 3.5 yards per carry, which is by the way, this is why I talked about, and I'm not comparing him to Elijah Maguire, but that's why I talked about Elijah Maguire's low stat line and people, you know, just looking at that stat, those stats and saying how bad he was when he's playing behind a terrible offensive line. Um, I'm not sure what his yards per carry, you know, were last year, but it wasn't much different than 3.5. But then everybody's hyping up Levy on Bell, which is obviously warranted. Uh, he looked absolutely fantastic. He had a touchdown catch. He had a two point conversion where he made a nice hands catch. Um, he blocked. He, the pass blocking was very well. He was seeing holes really well um, when they were there, which there were a few plays that he they were blocked relatively well. But you just look at like two two plays that really stick out um, in my mind. Fourth and one late in the game, where you know Brian Winters isn't able to cover the the uh, the play side a gap um, or the a gap in front of the the one tech um, on that run on the lead. I think it was a it was a lead zone lead play, whatever it was that. One tech meets Le'Veon Bell in the backfield. The, the one tech is literally on his back, trying to try to hold him back. Le'Veon Bell is fighting that off while he sees a defensive back, you know, crashing inwards. So he cuts in, you know, inside of that defensive back. Like I said, with a 300 pound defensive tackle on his back, he gets met by somebody else and then drives his legs forward for another yard, you know, yard, yard and a half and picks up the first down. So he's making cuts with defensive tackles on his back and then driving his legs forward. So that was one play that really stood out. And then another play was the, uh, when the Jets were deep in their own zone. And, you know, it's they're literally on the one, two yard line. Uh, he breaks the line of scrimmage, a defensive back crashes down. He trucks him, you know, stiff arms him, uh, breaks another tackle. Breaks another tackle after that um, for like twelve yards uh, deep in their end zone, and then there was another play too where he where there was nothing to to uh, in, in sight in terms of a gain, and it should have been a yard or two lost. It was actually the the Bills ran a well executed gap exchange um, in you know in the middle of their defensive line, and Khalil was kind of left with nobody to block. Tremaine Edmonds, you know, shot from you know outside to inside, and then you know. Uh, Le'Veon Bell was met with a linebacker right in his face as he got the ball. I believe it was a, it was a tight zone split. Uh, he cuts, you know, he uh, bends the run back to the right side, uh, breaks one tackle, breaks another tackle, breaks another tackle for four yards when it should have been a you know a zero yard gain. So uh, he was everything that we've been advertising. Um, he's still an elite player. He's still a top five running back um, easily. In my opinion, I'm excited to watch him, you know, the rest of the year, and hopefully, uh, the Jets can get him some wins because he seems like a player who's going to get frustrated with with losing, and you don't want a, a you know any frustrated player, especially you know frustrated star players. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. 
The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. With your host, Scott Mason. Let's talk defense now, Joe. First of all, holy cow, C.J. Mosley. For anybody that was talking about this guy as if he couldn't cover, and Michael Telford is still on this, he's saying, I have several years of tape. Well, so do we. And in fact, if you want to see it, you can go over to Turn on the Jets TV and watch the breakdown that Joe did on C.J. Mosley where he proved conclusively that C.J. Mosley can cover. And if you needed more than just Joe's breakdown, you could watch the game against the Buffalo Bills because C.J. Mosley was all over the field forcing two turnovers and saving a touchdown in coverage. What a game for C.J. Mosley. Yeah, man, I you know, it's 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 weird. You see all these um I'm not gonna mention any names, but I see a lot of bigger Jets pundits um who just kind of fall in line with the pro football focus where a lot of people don't watch the film. They look up what pro football focus says or what other people say and then they kind of make that their own opinion. But you know, I, I wish there was Jets fans who were trying to tell people that CJ Mosley can can cover, so we'd have expected this, you know. So um, yes, I'm being a douche, but I, I kind of deserve it because <laughs> I've been arguing with people for this, you know, about this for so long. Um, he looked excellent. Um, the run game, he was fantastic. He looked even better in the past game. Um, the one play, you know, Tampa two, where he's running, you know, pretty much stride for stride with John Brown, uh, deep, uh, down the seam where I believe the Bills ran a, a, a mirrored, um, smash variation concept to both sides. And then they had Brown, um, running deep down the, down the seam. And Mosley, you know, he, that was his assignment to pick him up, taking away the, you know, the, the, that deep hook of that, uh, weakness of a typical, you know, cover two defense that they were, you know, employing or deploying. And, uh, he ran shot for shot with him. Um, and the throw wasn't fantastic from Allen. Maybe it could have been a little bit better, but Mosley still st- uh, stuck with him. As soon as he saw John Brown's hands flash, uh, Mosley, you know, kind of swiped his arm and, and deflected the ball. There's another play late in the game. Um, similar, similar type of play where he was in another deep, uh, Tampa two zone and he ran shot for shot with another receiver. Um, as Marcus May passed it off where that pick that, that almost picked that Marcus May had where he dropped it in the uh, in the green zone, red zone, wherever he was exactly at. Um, that play, people actually touted that as very good for Marcus May. He was actually late to get over, to be completely honest. I, see, I saw people literally put up film of it, and I guess I won't say any names. Like, oh, yeah, great play by Marcus May. Uh, if Josh Allen saw that, it would actually have been a pretty easy touchdown. But um, regardless, just looking at Mosley, um, he he was great. Uh, there's multiple plays where of, of you know him showing how good he is in coverage, and this is why you really you know you should if you're watching a film try to understand better what you're watching because listen if it's if it's a levels concept over the middle and Mosley you know had to choose between letting up a 15 yard dig or you know a, a, a you know a four yards on a on a drag route or or a hitch he would you know typically choose the the deeper route and then rally up and make the tackle. So people would assume, Oh, we love that play. No, he was actually preventing a deeper gain. He was put in a crappy situation. So, um, Mosley showed that he was the best player on defense. You know, um, in this game, he showed why he made four, you know, four uh, pro bowls out of his first five years. He showed why the Jets signed him. And this is why we spoke about it too, Scott, when you're on my podcast, I believe we talked about my podcast. Why? Oh, well, why sign, why sign Mosley for, you know, he's an inside linebacker, 17 million when you could have played, you know, a, a decent, 
um, outside linebacker in Zadarius Smith or Preston Smith for $12, $13 million. Uh, Mosley in, impact was felt, and that was shown in the fourth quarter when he was out. The defense completely changed. And they lost energy. They lost their communicator. Um, so don't tell me that inside linebacker doesn't make a difference. Every position on the field makes a difference when you have, you know, obviously a bad player or a very good player. It shows, you know, big time where you went from, you know, an inside linebacker who was, you know, excellent in Mosley to guys who are, you know, not very good to be completely honest at this point and, and Hewitt and Cashman and look how big the, you know, the difference was. So does inside linebacker make a difference, Scott? You know, that, that, that is the question, I guess. It does when it's C.J. Mosley playing inside linebacker for you, and that's exactly why the Jets went out and got him. That's why they went out and got Tremaine Johnson, too. They thought that he was going to make a major difference in their secondary. He has, but not exactly in the way that they were expecting. He and Daryl Roberts, well, let's just say this wasn't their best day, was it? Yeah, no, this is something we expected. This is the this is the the very exploitable Achilles heel of the Jets and uh this is versus guys like Cole Beasley, uh John Brown and a bunch of other Jags to be completely honest. They're not anything special really at all minus some some speed from John Brown which which can come up in a big player to every game, but they're they're certainly not, you know, Odell Beckham, they're certainly not uh Antonio Brown if he plays because he's out doing whatever he's doing, which I won't mention. Um, Jarvis Landry, Josh Gordon, Julian Edelman, uh, AJ Green. If they play him, you know, if, if he's back, uh, you know, all, even all Sean Jeffries, uh, Amari Cooper. The, this this is a massive concern, and this takes you know. Listen, if the Jets had, I think, two solid cornerbacks starting. Um, I think they could be in that top ten of defenses. But this is such a big Achilles heel in a passing league. This can take a Jets from you know, a very solid defense to bottom half, you know, potentially even bottom 10 in the league. Uh, Tremaine Johnson looked absolutely terrible. Um, his technique is still just just awful. Um, he got beaten multiple times by John Brown, whether it be on a crossing route because his feet were inactive. He didn't try to shuffle and stay over top and would just get burned um, because of speed or whether that be opening his hips up too quickly, um, deeper phase in, in, you know, or in the deeper phases of routes and just allowing, you know, easy 10-yard completions, um, you know, right in front of his face. So he was terrible. Uh, Dow Roberts, who we spoke about, you know, I, I thought, I think he's a solid number four, number five type guy, but you don't want him taking every snap front or for you. And we saw it. He got beat for what a 37 yard touchdown by John Brown, where he couldn't locate the ball, had bad technique. And then even after he was beat, he had a chance to make a tackle, you know, and make the, uh, bills, you know, have to convert, uh, you know, or get a touchdown in the red zone. Instead, he just, missed the tackle where like I said probably the 15 yard line or so so um, he looked bad he got beat all the time I think Poole looked good um, for sure he definitely had an impressive game you didn't you didn't see his or hear his name much in the game which for a cornerback you know for the most part that's a good thing obviously that's it's an interception pass deflection but he he did force um, a a safety along with Jordan Jenkins where he's able to stand up a a running back as a cornerback you know so uh, he had an impressive game so he was definitely a positive but Tremaine Johnson and Daryl Roberts were, were massive negatives, you know, as we've come to expect. And it's something that, you know, Douglas, you know, has to address. And there's, there's some guys out there um, who I don't understand why they're not signing. I, I think, you know, listen, I think Douglas is still a good GM, um, but there, he's, there's been some questionable decisions at this point, obviously with kicker is, is, is one of them. And there's some guys, Guys out there, I forget who just got their contract avoided. Who's out there? Who got like a, a four-year, thirty-two million dollar deal? You know, look at that guy for a cheaper contract. Orlando Scandrick's out there. Um, I don't know why they only have five five corners at this point, and you know, thirty-seven thousand. You know, uh, defensive lineman, which is clearly such an important position to the Jets, because as soon as Nathan Shepard just admitted to openly using steroids and doesn't really care about it, uh, they went and signed that guy, uh, Willis. 
So I'm I'm glad that they're stuck there, but uh, the corner position is is uh it, it's brutal right now. You have to hope that a guy in Nate Harrison uh, learns that playbook and and can take over as potentially the number two right now because you know whether he's on the outside and you flex pull inside or you keep pull inside or you flex pull outside and play him inside. Uh, they they need something they need something to happen right now because this corner position is brutal and the wide receivers that Jets play are are only going to get much much better. I expect Harrison to get some looks at the number two spot, especially if this continues, which I expect it to over the next couple of weeks with Daryl Roberts. But there were some bright spots on the defensive side of the ball other than C.J. Mosley. One of them was Marcus May. He had been banged up all preseason. He looked really good. I know he dropped an interception, but other than that, made some really nice plays. So he was one of the stars of this one. You also had Jamal Adams, who had an understated game, but I don't think that he was as invisible as some other people were trying to make you believe. I think there were some plays in there that he made. He didn't make any dynamic plays like some of these other guys. Brian Poole, of course, with the safety, and Marcus May with a bunch of plays. One interception that got called back, one that should have been an interception. And then the defensive line. A lot of people were down on Leonard Williams after this performance. A lot of people were piling on Henry Anderson, even though he had generally a pretty solid game. He had one terrible penalty that ended up costing the Jets what would have been three points not on the board for the Buffalo Bills because they would have punted. Instead, the Bills ended up getting the three points. Also, another play later on that the referees didn't even catch where he tried to dive at Josh Allen's knees. Henry Anderson's really got to knock that stuff off. It's going to negate a lot of the positive things that he's doing. What did you mm-hmm. see when you looked at the film, when you saw the safeties, when you saw the defensive line? Did Marcus May jump out to you? And what else did you see? Did you think that Leonard Williams was as quote-unquote invisible as other people said? Um, yes, yeah, so let's start with the with the safeties. Jamal Adams, um, he, he wasn't, it's not like the all-pro performance we're used to seeing from him. Uh, he was negated, you know, a little bit, especially in the fourth quarter as soon as they... Um, you know, as soon as the, as soon as CJ Mosley went out, they can really focus on him because he's the biggest threat in, in the run game and they would either run away from him and send a tight end or, or, you know, alignment to, to kind of, um, block him back to the, to the play side. Um, or if he was on that play side, you saw a lot of pin and pulls where a guy in, in Mitch Morse, uh, would be pulling versus him and, you know, the outside linebackers or the, or the other linebackers either get sucked. Uh, sucked in or kicked out. So Jamal Adams was put in a position where he either had to, you know, try to squeeze the run inside um, or allowed a huge gain to the outside if, if he tried to be like that force player and make a tackle if he got blocked by, by an offensive lineman. So, um, you know, Jamal Adams is great in the run game, but him in a hole versus Mitch Morse, he's not going to win, you know, every time, especially when he's having to maintain outside leverage to not let the run, you know, explode for even more yardage than it was. So uh, um, he was, you know, targeted because of Mosley, you know, being out in that, in that point in the game. So, uh, it wasn't excellent, um, by Jamal Adams. He's definitely had better games, but he wasn't terrible. Yeah. He was a little bit more quiet. Like I said, he struggled for those reasons. Uh, Marcus May made the one interception that of course, because of a, uh, penalty by Roberts, um, where Roberts was even involved in the play, but Roberts got caught flat footed, had to grab the receiver. Marcus May, uh, made a nice play where I believe he was in zone. He picked up um, a deep, a deep route across the middle, and he, you know, stayed on the upfield hip of the receiver. And then, as the ball was thrown, he he undercut the uh, the route 
uh, undercut the ball and made an interception, ran it back for a good, you know, 20, 25 yards, but that didn't count. Uh, the, the, the dropped interception, there's a bunch of factors in this game. If he, if he picks that off, that's not three points for the, for the Bills. That's, one of the many, many reasons they could have won that game, but that directly, you know, related um, into three points for the Bills. Um, that play, uh, people are going to hype that play up. Uh, I actually give a negative on that play, to be completely honest. You know, you have to look at the, the process, not necessarily the results. So, yeah, it was a passive deflection, almost interception, but how do, how do we get there? Uh, it was a Yankee concept, uh, double post, um, and he passed off the the one post a little bit late to C.J. Mosley in the middle, who, you know, was in that Tampa 2 look. And Josh Allen didn't see um, the deep over route from the receiver coming from the left side to the right side where Marcus May was. Marcus May picked it up late. And if Josh Allen stepped up and fired that ball in there, it actually would have been a pretty easy completion, potentially even a touchdown if Marcus May um, wasn't able to make the tackle. So I actually been a negative for that play. Uh, obviously, Josh Allen didn't see it. He ended up scrambling out to the right, gave Marcus May more time to recover. Uh, Josh Allen floated up there. Um, you know, bad throw by him. And Marcus May should have picked. It, so there's a double negative on that play, even though it kind of looked good in the broadcast angle. So um, I think Marcus might played, you know, decently overall, uh, solidly overall. I don't think he was, you know, fantastic because, like I said, you have to look at the the process, which is very, 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 very important. Um, and then you look at the defensive line. Quinton Williams was was quieter than you wanted him to be. Obviously, he he left, I believe, early, uh, late third quarter, early fourth quarter with the, with the uh, boot on his ankle. Or boot on his foot, so he was definitely he was definitely quiet. Um, and he's a again he's a young kid in his first game. People are like, oh, and there's certain people I I do not you know engage with on Twitter anymore because oh he's a bust you know Ed Oliver is better than him and oh my god they should have took Josh Allen because of one game of Quentin Williams. Let's let's pump the brakes here, guys. Like it's crazy after one game. Um, he was quiet. Henry Anderson made some plays, but listen, there were some Bills fans are trying to say it's reflecting of the coaching of Greg Williams. Henry Anderson's been, you know, dirty uh, this year and last year, and, and it's getting old. Um, and I know his wife tried to come out on Twitter and try to defend him with, with that whole play of, oh, well, he was trying to get up fast, and he tripped over his own feet and ended up falling right into Josh Allen's um, legs. But at this point, you know, maybe if he, he's never done anything dirty, maybe I would have given that to him and given the benefit of the doubt, but I don't think he deserves the benefit of the doubt at this point. And then later in the game uh, – and. and absolutely inexcusable play. It's one of the dumbest plays. It is the dumbest play of the game. That, that it, it just is. And that's another, you know, same drive that Marcus May, you know, uh, dropped the interception. The Bills were on about the 45, their, their own 40, 45 yard line. The drive would have ended there. It was like third and 11, third and 10, third and nine, whatever it was, third and long. Um, Josh Allen clearly gets rid of the ball. Very, very clearly. Henry Anderson sees him. What does Henry Anderson do? He takes an extra three and a half, four steps i have it on tape it's it's clear as day um he doesn't just oh he doesn't isn't is an incidental contact he got hit by the offensive lineman hitting to josh allen he takes three or four steps lowers his helmet lowers his shoulder into josh allen draws a penalty you just you you just literally gave you just continued the drive for the bills you gave them an extra shot to to get down the field they score a field goal because of you, because of an, a dumb play that's absolutely inexcusable. Um, that and then and then you see him after the play, put his hands up. What? 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 Like, like I hate, I hate that crap. I, I hate cornerbacks who get beat deep, and then the and then the receiver drops the ball, or the quarterback misses a throw, and they do the finger wag or anything like that. It's dumb. I hate defensive linemen and outside linebackers, linebackers who do late hits, and then they throw their hands up, but they have no idea why. When you clearly took an extra three or four steps, which is just a dumb one of the dumbest things I've ever seen. So that was inexcusable. So he went from having a good game to having a crap game because of one or two plays that were absolutely inexcusable by a defensive lineman. So um, he's on my. 
list at this point. Uh, sorry for cursing, uh, cursing, but that he directly, you know, gave the the Bills a, a a field goal. Oh well, this and that. Listen, if he didn't make a, a dumbass play, the Bills don't get that field goal. Um, stupid, just very very stupid by a guy who just got a new contract for, for uh, from the Jets. Leonard Williams, uh, he, he made some plays early. Um, I, I, he played a lot of snaps in this game. Uh, people act like defensive linemen. People were cherry picking certain plays by him. Um, defensive line is the hardest position to play in terms of keeping your energy level up and in terms of keeping your effort level up. Offensive linemen can know the, the play is going away. It's a quick, it's a quick throw. Then you get into a quick set. Um, and then you block, you know, uh, you know, and you don't have to put as much effort there. You know, corners, same thing as the run play. You don't, if it's a runaway, you don't always give full effort. Same thing for receivers or for safeties, um, as they're playing deep or linebackers. You know, you don't have to play full effort on every play. Defensive linemen, you're playing full effort every single play. Um, Leonard Williams, there was a couple plays where he got blocked up, but I, I, if he, he made some plays, you know, obviously you like to see him make some more noise. There was a play early. In the game where he had a bull rush, he just wasn't able to finish Josh Allen. He got his hands on, but Josh Allen escaped and then threw the ball away. So um, he made a play or two, maybe a little bit quiet, but uh, later down that stretch, he did definitely looked like he got tired in that game um, because Quentin Williams, you know, was out and he wasn't able to substitute him. You know, it's a, it's a shocker that we didn't see the other thirty-seven thousand defensive linemen, which is a really, you know, like I said, odd roster construction the Jets have right now, but. Um, Yes, yeah, so I guess that's kind of answering your questions. Uh, Marcus May was good, didn't play as well as people thought. The, uh, you know, Jamal Adams was, was okay, but he was targeted at the end of the game. Uh, Henry Anderson, inexcusable game. Um, and Leonard Williams was, was okay, but looked a little bit gassed at the end of the game. So I'm with you on the Henry Anderson thing. I've talked about this a bunch of times. That is the one play of all of the plays in the game that was absolutely inexcusable because it was 100% avoidable. It's one thing when you make a bad play or the opposing team makes a good play, but the two things that you cannot do, penalties and turnovers, because they're unforced errors and they are 100% avoidable. That's coaching, but it's also on these players, and Henry Anderson has a history of doing things like that. As I said, there was another play later on that wasn't called, where he dove at Josh Allen's legs, and he was clearly trying to hurt him. He's got to knock this off because, A, there's no reason for dirty plays like that where you're trying to hurt somebody, and B, he's lucky that he didn't get penalized again that other time. Cost the Jets dearly that one time where it would have been three points that weren't scored by Buffalo. Instead, they end up getting the field goal. And to me, that's the one play that you look at. I know that there were a lot of factors, and obviously the Jets did everything they could to hand the game back to the Bills after the Bills turned the ball over a bunch of times. But the Henry Anderson play to me is the one that enrages me. And to be honest with you, if I were the Jets, I would find him heavily for that to send a message. That's not how we're going to play, and that is not going to be acceptable. You don't do stuff like that because, again, you're not trying to hurt somebody around here, and on top of that, you do not want to pick up costly penalties like that. So, Joe, we are definitely in agreement on that. And I think we're in agreement that we have our fingers crossed, absolutely hoping for the best Monday night against the Browns, even though obviously Sam Darnold not playing and a bunch of other guys are questionable. But crazier things have happened. Now they have Demarius Thomas in tow, and I know that you just did a film review of him. So why don't you talk about what people can see when they go over to turn on the Jets TV, including your latest review of Demarius Thomas. Yeah, and just quickly on, on Henry Anderson, I, I agree with the fine. Um, I, and some of these plays where it's like a step or two and, you know, maybe they're falling forward or they, they couldn't see the guy get rid of the ball, completely understandable. And I think the NFL is soft in that, in that aspect. But when you take a clear three, four steps and, and clearly drop your helmet to a guy, 
Um, I, I, it, it's inexcusable. Find him. Uh, bench him. I, I don't care. That's not how I want my team playing. Uh, and like I said, he doesn't get the benefit of the doubt with, oh, he tried to get up fast and tripped right into Josh Allen's knees. That seems a little bit sketchy to me. Um, but yeah, tomorrow, uh, well, I guess yesterday, uh, I'll be, I, I would have recorded a podcast. I know we're recording this a little bit early. <laughs> I always get screwed up with that. Um, but, uh, there's a show, uh, of the Bills. Um, Jets game, that's going to be extremely depressing. 43 plays showing you exactly what I've, what I've been talking about. You'll see the Henry Anderson play. You'll see the Marcus May play I was talking about where he's late. Um, you'll see how they were targeting Jamal Adams. You'll see CJ Mosley in coverage. You'll see, um, a bunch of different things that I'll show. And I think obviously, you know, the viewership goes down when the Jets are in the situation, but, uh, to really understand what you're, what, what you're watching and what you, uh, and what happened in that game, you should definitely come over to, uh, turnthejets.com, uh, or, or turn on Jets TV on, on YouTube. Uh, the podcast is TOJ Space Film Space Room. I uh, just did a review on Twitter. So if you want to check me out on Twitter, JoeRB31, where I posted the 43 plays and gave a you know the best uh, explanation I can in 240 character, characters, which is not, not always enough for um, an extremely complex sport and extremely complex uh, complex plays. Um, and then with Demarius Thomas, I put up a quick 15 plays of, of him from, from last year, and I think he still has a little bit. Um, and, and the tank, obviously, if he could, uh, if he did recover well from that Achilles injury that he suffered. But last year, he was still a receiver who had a decent amount of yards, about 700, I think, for the Jets' offense. Um, with knowing Gates' offense, he could be around a, you know, a five to 700 yard receiver, maybe 50 to 60, 60 catches, and have a good five, six touchdowns. Because I, th- I still think he is um, a, a serviceable number three um, type receiver. So. Um, that's not going to be on the YouTube. Maybe I'll show a little bit of it, but that's only on the Twitter. So that's JRB31 if you want to check that out. Um, like you said, crazy things have happened. You know, they got blown up by the Titans. You know, Simeon's 13 and 11 in the 24 games he started. I, I think if Le'Veon Bell plays, if CJ Mosley plays, they have a shot. Um, but the final thing I'll say is, uh, if you're going to that game, please, please get off your asses. Um, there, there's nothing more frustrating than, than thinking you're going to go to a game with a good home field advantage because there's a lot of hype around the Jets in week one and then people are on their phones. You're seeing Bills players hype up the crowd because they know they have a lot of Bills fans in there and Bills fans are louder than Jets fans during that, um, you know, that, during that point in the game. And, um, it was just absolutely embarrassing. Uh, it's hard to go to games at this point. Um, and there's, there's been multiple times where I've been asked to sit down on third downs. It's just, uh, and then people come with the excuse. Oh, well, you know, give us something to cheer for. Uh, guess what? The Raiders fans have been loud for a while. They've had nothing to cheer for. The Bills fans have been loud for a while. They've had nothing to cheer for. There's 17, I think 16, 17 years they have made the playoffs. Um, that week, that week 17 game against the Jets, they were, they were loud as, as you can be. Um, and they're standing the entire game. Uh, the Chiefs before, you know, Andy Reid when they had Herm Edwards were always a really loud, um, stadium when they had nothing, nothing to cheer for. That's not an excuse when you're there. Get off your cell phones. Stop talking to your friends. Cheer. Um, especially on third down, you know, listen, anybody can be loud on a touchdown, but the Jets, uh, atmosphere at their stadium is an absolute joke. And this is versus Bills fans. Wait until, wait, wait until they play teams like this, the Steelers and the Cowboys, um, and the Giants. This is, um, it's embarrassing at this point, Scott. So I'm, I'll, I'll truly say, if you are one of those fans who goes there and you don't cheer or you, you don't show up, um, you're not my type of guy, and it, it's embarrassing. That's that, that's one of the biggest things I, I came up with this game was the was the atmosphere. Um, the firemen at and all, it was absolutely terrible. Get off Joe Blewett's lawn, but also follow him on Twitter at JoeRB31. Watch his film reviews over on our YouTube channel, Turn on the Jets TV. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and TurnOnTheJets.com.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChumbaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.